Welcome to the SMRT Podcast. I'm your host, Barry Underwood. All right, today's episode is rap and hip hop labeled broken glass everywhere. So I brought in two very good friends of mine, uh, starting off with Mr. Ian Soberdinkle, a.k.a. Doug Graves. He is a local rapper, cook, gardening extraordinaire, and just all-around badass. And alongside him, I brought in Tyler Rowe. You may know him and his lovely face from the Churchill. He's a fantastic bartender, fantastic rapper, and just all-around knowledgeable dude about rap and hip-hop. So that's going to be our episode today. And quick shout out to Rode for all the equipment and gear that I am using. Like, as always, this is the Rodecaster Pro. That's where you're hearing all the music from. Woo! I know. Gets juicy and also the, has all the features like, you know, all the classic stuff. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Rode, for the Rodecaster Pro. This is fantastic. And I am also operating off the Rode pod mics and they are fantastic. So anyone looking to get into podcasting or and make their life a hell of a lot easier, I highly recommend one, the Rodecaster Pro and the pod mics. They're fantastic. Uh, I think that's enough of talking your around for now. Let's get to the episode labeled Broken Glass Everywhere. I hope you enjoy. I would say it in the in the West Side Connection era, he was the best out of the three. Uh, he was for sure the best out of the three in that time. Yeah. Um, like, you know, obviously at his peak, Ice Cube's probably in my top ten, but... Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, pen game, like, as good as anybody's, period. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And, like, ahead of the curve, for sure. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, West Side Connection was probably, like, Cube's kind of, like, last... Well, it, realistically, it was probably more like the beginning of the end for Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. And it's like... He decided that he wanted to be way more rich than that. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. Going to do some family movies. And... But it's amazing. Like, I don't... I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to figure it out one time. Because, like, they're really... I, I think it's actually more on the, uh, the previous album when he starts to kind of, like, change. Where, like, they inserted the clone. Oh, the, the, is this like a... Um, he replaced him with a clone. Yeah, like when uh, when Paul from the Beatles dies and it's actually Fall now. Yeah, right, right, Faux exactly. Paul. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I have a buddy Dennis who's like really like legitimately into yeah. that conspiracy theory. No, I saw that documentary and I was like, that's pretty fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, they put the point out well. And there's enough weird like clues to support it in like the album covers and stuff. Like, it's pretty bizarre, but. Yeah, I was like conspiracy theories. Um, the West Side Connection album is one of the <clears throat> reasons why I got the idea to uh, do this for an episode as well. Because Marlon and I were talking about albums that we just know word for word, 
beginning to end pretty much the whole thing for me too like i just remember being in my buddies like shitty cavaliers and lincolns and shit in the late 90s and early <laughs> 2000s rolling around sydney british columbia and just bumping the most gangster shit that was available to us with not a thought in the world for oh, yeah. what it is what we were doing but i loved that shit man it was the best oh i i can vividly remember fucking sitting at oakland's park from by the, uh, <laughs> elementary school because they're gonna play it on uh CFUV, like the the rap show on CFUV back in the day, it was like the world premiere of the return to the the diss response to yeah. Cypress Hill from Temples of Boom, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we were so amped. We're just like sitting there, like chain smoking <laughs> cigarettes and shit, like in my buddy's Corsica. And yeah. yeah. I remember, <laughs> so I, excited. I remember when that happened, like, because there was um, my buddy Gordy was such a big um, Ice Cube fan. And he couldn't accept that because um, there was all those rumors flying around that um, Ice Cube got knocked out and Buddy stole his chain and all his shit. And he's like, nope, nope, not Cube. Cube wouldn't get knocked out. And I'm like, I think Cube got knocked out, man. <laughs> you like, never know, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the whole thing with, like, Cube, like, stealing people's shit, right? Like, he kind of... Yeah. You know, B-Real was pretty pissed off. And, like, he's still talks about it to this day. Like, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> that, that was his hook on fr the Friday hook, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and... um that whole thing off but yeah yeah it was cool um because dub c was like really good he's pretty tight with cypress Hill and he kind of just stayed out of it i saw like a little mini documentary about it yeah i think he kind of focused more on like distant tribe called quest or something <laughs> shit about q-tip or something yeah right. and the best part about all that was q-tip's response to it was like the most q-tip thing ever being like i don't want to fight you but i'm not gonna let you call me a bitch yeah 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 i'm not a damn ass kisser yeah. <laughs> don't come in my face <laughs> fuck yeah but yeah, so the point of this podcast is uh, the SMRT podcast. I like to, um, I'm just bringing in people that are, who I think are more knowledgeable than I am in things that I'm interested in. You know, maybe I'll learn a thing or two. Like I, I can talk rap and hip hop with both of you and I have many times in the past. And uh, yeah, so today I just kind of want to focus on uh, what you guys think is important to the genre or that was just simply important to you. Like when you discovered rap and hip hop. Well, I got brought in super young. Yeah, um, my folks got divorced when I was three and as soon as my dad moved out he got <clears> this like pretty balling little bachelor pad house split with this guy named Al Scott and I was <laughs> four and that was the year that License to Ill came out Yeah, and uh, dad had that tape and used to just like let me jump on his bed and listen to it so the Beastie Boys had me from age four and I just sort of loved it ever since yeah yeah so similar kind of story I was living with my dad out in, out in Langford and we got Super Channel and, like, MTV and shit, right? Yeah. And I was always, like, a rock kid. My dad's a guitar player, rock guy. And, uh, you know, Aerosmith, Run DMC, Walk This Way, the video came on, and I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, that fucked me up, right? And then yeah. like, immediately after that, the message came on. And I was pretty much like, okay, like, I never heard this before. I don't really know how to, like what is this? This, yeah. this is like, I don't even understand this world that like I'm seeing like in the video, of, you know, Grandmaster Flash, the video there is like, it's crazy, right? Yeah. Just him in the streets and yeah. Like the broken glass everywhere kind of thing. So yeah, that was like my introduction. And then, yeah, it just kind of went from there. But And I mean like that shit seems rudimentary now, but like when you heard that stuff back then, it's like, yeah, there, it's like expanding a whole new realm of possibility. It's there, crazy. there was nothing like that before really. Like it was kind of that first, I mean, especially Walk This Way being, like, kind of a crossover 
right all right being a crossover 100 percent, like really kind of brought kind of brought it to a whole nother demographic yeah right mm -hmm. so i mean i think that record especially is is pretty crazy it was cool to see it, it was on the grammys the other night even though the rest of the grammys was kind of a joke i mean yeah, Nas showed up i was that was kind of tight yeah mm -hmm. the rest of it was kind of bullshit but I went out of my way to not watch it. Yeah, yeah. my the, the wife wanted to watch it, and I was like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> I mean, but yeah, it's like it's almost like they go out of their way to like insult that community. Sometimes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, well, Anderson Pack he cleaned up, didn't he? Well, that's good because yep. you know he's one of the most relevant voices. I mean, like both literally and figuratively, going yeah. on right now. Currently, yeah, definitely. I've been loving Anderson since I I saw the Dungeon sessions with him and. Um, him and knowledge and they they were doing suede yeah and like i can't remember it was like maybe 2012 2013 or something and i was like whoa who the fuck is this guy yeah he's fantastic but well, we saw him yeah we went and saw him it was rad he throws down like that guy is super talented that's the best live performance i've seen yeah like, for it's, sure it's up there I like it. it's it's probably just shy of prince farming yeah I, I i never got to see prince so this is like my prince yeah, it, like, was, it was good, man. Like, he is an incredible showman. Super talented. I also just can't think of anybody since maybe Nate Dogg where he's just been on everybody's yes. fucking record. Totally. For a couple of years now, like, that Katra track dropped, and that was, like, a big deal. But, like, he's been on Tribe Records. He's on the most recent Eminem record, which is actually, I think, a pretty lackluster effort. It's nice to see M actually rapping again. Yeah. But, like, that Anderson Pack feature is fucking sick. And, yeah. like, everything that he appears on, he turns it to gold. Yeah, yeah, he always makes the tracks better. His voice is just so, like, recognizable. Yeah. And it really, I don't know, like, there, it was such a breath of fresh air at the time when, like, you know, the trap mumble rap thing was really kind of, like, yeah. really charging. Yeah, I was just like, this is what I need in my life right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, we, we were, uh, you were joking about this, like, when we were listening, uh, talking about uh, Bandana. Yeah. And you're like, of course, any any album worth worth noting, Anderson Pack is on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he's everywhere. He's literally touched everyone. Yeah, yeah, a lot of lot of different cities, a lot of different styles of music, and he can he can really do it all. And like, I'm sure you guys have seen the uh, the NPR Tiny Desk that he does. But yeah, like, yeah. that guy's like, I mean, you went to see him, so you know. But like, that guy's a wicked ass drummer and mm -hmm. band leader. One of my very best friends, Mr. Brendan Pye. Um, is one of the best drummers in Victoria. And that guy was like, he had his jaw on the floor watching that tiny desk with me. He couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. He's wild, man. <clears throat> uh, I saw first time I saw him was in Australia, uh, on my honeymoon. And, um, it just blew me away. Like how you can't, like, it doesn't even sound like he's trying. Like he, oh. he's crystal clear and flawless lyrically mm -hmm. while drumming. It's like, it's insane. Like yeah. to, to have that much syncopation going on in your head. This is like, it's insane. And it, like, he does make it look effortless, and he genu genuinely looks like he's having fun every totally. single time he's performing, too. Yeah, he's he's thrown it down a, a considerable set, too. Like, he's not just, like, one of these folks who rolls in. Yeah. Because, like, actually, the the internet went on, played before before him, mm -hmm. and, like, they sounded like shit com in comparison. It was, like, yeah. a sleepy set, and I was, like, I was you know, I was kind of stoked to see the internet play, but, yeah, yeah Anderson just blew them out of the water. It was fun, because, like, it was weird, because he had uh, Earl Sweatshirt, too. At and, that show, yeah, the one we went to. Oh, yeah, yeah, because, like, they, they open with Thundercat, which is fucking insane. He's, like, I love Thundercat. Oh, He's totally. amazing. And then they then they went on to, moved on to Earl Sweatshirt, and I thought, would like, I like Earl, but it was just such a weird contrast in energy. Yeah, they re I think they really should have opened the show with Earl, 
then yeah. there's Thundercat go. Well, Earl's mm. one of my favorites. Like ever since uh, ever since the Earl video dropped, and then he had to go away to Bali, <laughs> but, which is like that's a fascinating story in of itself. But um, Earl's amazing. But everything I've ever seen from him live looks pretty like like down tempo. Yeah, yeah it's like it's <clears throat> it's like heroin the show or something. You know, it's yeah, very, like very that's that's something I would like to see in like maybe like Fortune Sound Club or something. Right. Not yeah, not the PME probably. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe like Capital Ballroom or something like that, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and just like just him leading into Anderson Pack. Well, it didn't matter anyways because Anderson Pack's gonna kill it, and like he's so fucking incredible. Yeah. But uh, I just thought that was a weird, a strange uh, lead into himself. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like they they let the middle of the show kind of disappear yeah. for a bit because yeah, I had trouble kind of paying attention. It was very kind of sleepy for me. Yeah. But well, Earl's there. Earl's a complicated guy, you guys. He'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. He'll figure it out. Yeah, no, I, but I, but I think he's he's a kind of the, he's more like the I want to listen to it like while I'm walking or something. Yeah. You know, like I did uh, my bar's driving. inventory the other night and I listened to the uh this is Earl Spotify playlist for like a good 2 hours. That guy's track list is sick. Yeah. Mm. It was awesome. Yeah, I think it, that's the thing. It just doesn't qu- quite translate to like live. It's more just like for bumping yeah, while you're doing some shit, like someone fun to have on vinyl. I, I think one thing that's like probably worth talking about since we're here to talk about rap music, though, is how fucking unlikely does it feel to you guys that Odd Future turned into this like this like massively big deal? Because Tyler is creating incredible art right now, and Frank Ocean's one of the biggest stars in the world, and yeah. has absolutely gamed the music industry to do exactly what he wants. And Earl's doing great shit, and like. Vince Staples is making great records and has become like a really unique and cool voice in the industry. And all these guys were just these like these drugged out skate punks together 10 years <laughs> ago. And now they're like kind of taken over. Well, I think it just goes to show like they're unique, right? Like, yeah, they they came at a time when there's clearly saturation in that generic kind of trap market. Right. Like, yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, like it was a breath of fresh air again. Like those dudes came out and they were like, oh, this is different. Like, this doesn't sound like anything else that's out right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, fuck yeah, Vince Staples is fucking ill, man. Like, I mm-hmm. love that dude. Like you said, the market was saturated with all that shit. Kind of, it kind of forces like any genre, like when it, it, it'll, it could only boil down so much before something comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Like you think about like uh, everyone was shitting on like hair metal and stuff, and then grunge comes out of nowhere, and like they, there's always going to be something. Definitely. I mean, for me, hair metal was like always the shit. So <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. when grunge came out, I was kind of like, I don't like this. And I kinda, I mean, <laughs> These guys was, are fucking sad. These guys look yeah, they're dirty, real sad, and they don't bathe. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was like actually when I shifted back hard into hip hop was around that era. Yeah, I think it was like I got the far side bizarre ride to the far side oh album. my god and that that actually that album was totally what like solidified me being like a head for sure yeah fuck that's such a good album that's i was so i was just listening to that uh listening to that a couple of weeks ago at um at peacocks while we we're closing yeah me and matt bear were like fuck i don't know what to listen to and he's like you know what i think i got it and then he just threw that on I was yeah, like fuck yeah like, uh, thank yeah. you so good yeah oh, shit your mama fucking yeah. oh it's so good epic yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, the way I intended to do this <laughs> was uh, I asked you guys to think of a couple of songs that maybe you think are significant to the genre. And uh, yeah, Tyler, why don't we start with you if you got one on the go? All right. Well, one of the ones that I was thinking of was uh, was Get By by Talib Kweli, which was uh, one of the very first beats that made Kanye West really famous as a producer before um, before Jay-Z and The Rock let him take a microphone. And uh, 
the reason why I think it's well, I mean, it's a great song because the production and the rapping on it are ridiculous, but it's also like a really good distillation of a really highly educated rapper breaking down exactly what's wrong in, in America and particularly in black America. And I find that like the way that he points his observations in that song and then like, like breaks down into examples exactly what are microcosms of the bigger problem. He comes off as he well should as one of the smartest guys to ever rap. Like, there's people who don't love Quali because he's so overtly political. That's one of the things I like about him. Yeah. But man, does he ever just just mash that track? Him and Kanye, it's the perfect union at that time. I think it came out in like 2002 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, anyways, I just fucking love that song. Yeah, Talib is always solid. I remember hearing Respiration for the first time and it was like, oh man, crazy. That was right at the, towards the end of high school with me and that's when I knew that I was totally done with guitar music at that time. Right. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> so fucking give me all of that. Like Things Come Apart came out by the roots and there was all these great music, that kind of music. And those guys were like all those okay, okay player guys just doing all that shit. I fucking love that era. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Of course, you love everything when you're 17. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously the most important era there is. The funny thing is about um, Quali is I got into him because of Dave Chappelle. Oh, Because they were, they were like best friends. Like him and uh, Most Deaf. I'll tell you who's aged better than Most Deaf, and that's Talib Quali. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he threw it down when I, uh, I saw him down at uh, Sugar back in the day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. Um, I've seen him twice. The first time I saw Quali was opening for the for the Beastie Boys at uh, Pacific Coliseum in like right around 2001. It's right around now. Yeah. And um, I actually ran into this person that gave me a floor seat. I didn't have one. I was just sitting up in chairs. I ended up getting this floor seat when I was out in the smoke pit for nothing and got to like rock with Quali like right up front because not that many people were feeling him because mm. it was like a terrible Beastie Boys like West Coast white ass hip hop crowd so yeah. yeah I got to be like right there for the whole thing it was so good I remember like when I'd go uh, like like still buy CDs like this uh, just for a brief while there's a place in Sydney this was just everywhere like one of the employees this yeah. was his pick and just had like a whole row of just this yeah, because I remember I went there. I think I got um, Ice Cube's Greatest Hits or something. I was I was there for something very specific, and then I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And then, then later on, yeah. I found out. Yeah, Kanye fucking flipped the fucking industry on his head during this era. He really did. I talk about Kanye often. Like I, yeah, like I love him or hate him, right? But you know, he's so talented. Yeah, he definitely like turned the corner. Yeah, during this era. Yeah, like um. Like Marlon, Marlon, we talk about it whenever we play Kanye at our shows. Like, fuck, it's almost like cheating. And Marlon's like, and I fucking don't like playing Kanye because it's Kanye, but he's so good. And I was <laughs> yeah, like, I got no beef. With, right? I got no beef with Kanye, really. I used to, but like, I don't even know why I did. I think just enough people were like, his shit. And I was like, his shit. I got in trouble at a wedding one time for playing Kanye. Um, I wasn't the DJ, but I knew the DJ. And uh, I had him play Gold Digger, and the father of the bride was fucking pissed. That's <laughs> yeah, so yeah. weird. Straight up, man, I've had to play that at weddings a number of times. I'm always like, yeah, I don't know if it's the most appropriate song for this. <laughs> yeah, right now, I, I, I'm an show. idiot. I straight up didn't even think about it. And yeah. then he came up to me. He was like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's a good song. This isn't, yeah. isn't a crack. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or is it? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know the lovely, lovely young lady, but yeah. we, we can't say yay or nay at this point. Yeah. It's, it's still up in the air And frankly sir Who are you to say right? <laughs> If she is It's your fault Yeah You should have just Started barking at him <laughs> <laughs> It's usually yeah. my go to move Yeah Backed in a corner right 
Yeah, yeah, it'll, you'll see what it's made of when you search, <laughs> when you just aggressively bark at somebody. Either they're game or they're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there she goes. Yeah, I remember when I listened to this too, it was a little more upbeat then, like just like the beat itself than what I usually was listening to. Because at this point, I was very heavily into, like DMX was pretty prominent in my life at the time. Mm-hmm. Fair <laughs> you enough. Know, Speaking like of that. barking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of like a lot more like West Coast like I, well like we're talking about um, West Side Connection and stuff like that like I was so heavily into that yeah that was my upbringing for sure it was like heavy Oakland heavy yeah. LA you know I mean my one of my first rap tapes that I ever owned was straight out of Compton yeah but it was the clean version oh I, I, I stole it from my sister's <laughs> friend yeah, i stole that one and she also had two live crew as clean as you want to be no right? way so i was like i was in grade five or something i was 10 yeah. bumping this shit but then you know it set me on a course man because like next the year later i stole a bunch of money for my my stepmom and bought like the entire nwa catalog yeah amazing yeah i had a easy does it on tape nice and uh, my, my dad uh came into my room and heard me listening to it he's like what the fuck is this <laughs> i'm like uh so he grabbed it snapped the tape and have it threw it in the fireplace there was no fire though yeah little did he know that like he he himself had taught me how to fix cassettes at this time. <laughs> so like i went and got it and like replaced it and put it in like another like another like you know yeah it was shell it was like ingwie malmstein or something yeah and it was like this is something that my pops will approve of <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah, I still had it. You know, one little glitch in it from like where it ripped or whatever. But yeah, I was like, I have no fucking way, man. I was fucking trying that. That album like fucked my head up when I was a kid. It was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Nobody move. Nobody get hurt. <laughs> Shit's awesome. Yeah, man. So good. Yeah, uh, that's actually one of the first things we. Um, I remember talking to you about when when we start talking about music. Uh, I think our first connection there, Barry. Yeah, is uh, MC Ren. Yeah, if it ain't rough, it ain't me. Yeah, because uh, my personal favorite member of NWA. Has always been MC Ren. Yeah, same. Yeah. I, always, I always never really understood because I always thought he was like the best rapper out of out of the, you know. Yeah. I mean, Easy obviously like sounded good and like visually was like. Yeah, he part. looked the part. And Cube was always like rock solid too, but yeah, it's Cube. But yeah, Ren was always kind of just overshadowed, I think, and yeah. never quite got what he deserved. Yeah, he even was... in the movie, man, they even kind of like glazed over him. Yeah. In the movie, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck that, man. You gotta give Ren his Ren his due. Fucking Ren. Yeah. Because uh, personally, my my two favorite rappers of all time are MC Ren and Redman. Yeah, good choices. Uh, that, those good are choices. Both Redman definitely is in my top my top tier for sure. He's in my top ten for sure. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have Ren in my top ten, but he's he's a great rapper. Yeah, essential essential to the. Oh, should we do this? We want to try to do top fives. Top fives. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's we'll start with you. Oh, fuck, I'm not ready. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, so my one two, like one A, one B, are are definitely definitely Ghostface and Black Thought. I yes. think I think that those are the two greatest rappers of all time. The other people that are in my top five are <sighs> Biggie, Nas, and Ice Cube. I think. Nice. Uh, that's a legit list for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I Black Thought like has to be put in every conversation. Absolutely. Like, I don't necessarily put him in my top five, but to me, he deserves like all the respect in the world because he's just always been rock solid. But uh, for me, uh, yeah, Redman's always kind of been my number one. Slick Rick, Big Daddy Kane, mm. Cool G Rap, and probably Ice Cube. Nice. Yeah, and, and I mean that's like a it's a you know it's a modulating list, right? Like there's so many, so many good people. 
you know, like, you know, Rockham's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I almost feel like you got to do top fives for like the decade. Yeah. You know, in a way, because like there's, there's differences in, in, you know, like who are your eighties dudes, who are your nineties dudes. Yeah. But yeah, like Ghostface and Black Thought are both ridiculous, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think I would have Ghostface is just like, I think he's just so good. Kendrick's another one who's this way. Go, they're obviously really different, but like, he's just good at all of the parts of it. Right. Totally. Yeah. Like, like there's, there's some, there's some things that Jay-Z doesn't do well, but I don't know if anybody can necessarily flow on a beat better than him, period. Yeah. But like with Ghost, like he's maybe the best storyteller other than Slick Rick and he can like create slang that everyone finds believable and all of a sudden <laughs> you're using it like every fucking time. And his stream of consciousness, like shit that he does that him and Rake do, nobody's, I don't think, ever really come close to the way those guys just like take you through topics if they're just rapping like that instead of like t- telling a story like they would on like The Champ or something like that. And uh, he's got... He's got big words. I love the way the ghost face uses big words wrong on purpose to piss people <laughs> off. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, man. Oh, God. He's like, he's so ignorant and so smart at the same time. And you have to be like a really high level intellect to be that purposefully ignorant. And yeah. He's so fucking dope. Yeah. Fanboy shit. Yeah. 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 For myself, yeah. it would have to go. Definitely. Like I said, Redman, MC Ren, um, the Jizza. He's in, he's in my top five for sure. Can't argue with that. Maybe Dub C. I was just talking about him. He was so big in my childhood. Like, I just can't get him out. Like, I don't care. Like, I know, like, uh, like it's just, he's just a part of me oh, now. Man. Yeah. Everything he did. I still, like, constantly am just, like, bumping, you are the one, you are the one, you are the one. <laughs> Love that shit. It's so good. And I, I'm kind of torn between Big Boy and Black Thought. That's fair. I think, like, I think, you know, when you look at, like, all of the components that make a great MC, Black Thought definitely, like is hard to argue with like he he could very well be like the greatest of all time like, he's yeah. also probably spent more time on stage than anybody else because they play Definitely. those three-hour sets and he's the only rapper now like he's just up there all the time yeah and like but i think he's he's just so he's like even keel yeah like so i don't think like i think he often gets overlooked because you know maybe he's not quite as technical as somebody like like eminem eminem or like aesop rock or yeah you know something like that but he's so like he's like max points like even keel wise you know yeah he he's so fucking good and undeniably good yeah conscious can still throw like a party jam down like yeah yeah, you can do it all absolutely convincingly street but also like one of the things that he's really done as his career has grown is just like continue to refine his personal narrative the way that all rappers have that so now he's like like a thing that I think we're maybe going to talk about is that shit he did on Hot 97 a couple Christmases yes. ago when Flex Bonkers. lost his mind. And that, first of all, I think that's one of the pivotal moments in, in rap history recently. I, th- I think that he really put the, the entire game on blast that night. But I mean, like the way that he talks about his now level of education and sophistication and refinement from where he's come from, that's, that's the kind of story that all the famous rappers want to be able to say that way. And he's the only one that's really, that's really done it like that, in my opinion. It's definitely a sign of his intelligence. Like he's clearly like a critical thinker for sure. But I think yeah, it's like you can. You, there's certain people that just like get lumped into like. I, I mean, I, I personally just kind of refer them refer to them as the gods of of rap. You know, yeah. I mean, like it's undeniable that whether they're on your list or not. Like they belong in this kind of like Olympian kind of circle of you know. Yeah, Pharaoh Monch probably wouldn't get talked about in the top five for a lot of people, but like that dude's like 
a he's, murder. He's, a murder is yeah. unreal. And like we haven't even talked about Big L or Busta. Yeah, Big L. Or, is like I don't think anyone's yet. even mentioned Tupac yet. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it's like it, it's so hard to to you know boil it down. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Busta, I. Yeah, I can't get enough of him. He oh, never man. puts out a bad record. No, no. Busta's not in my top five, but he might be my favorite rapper ever. Like yeah. he's just so fucking charismatic and fun, and he does interesting shit that nobody else does. Yeah. And the way he produces his own vocals with all the like yips and yahaws and stuff in the background are so dope. Yeah, he's he's a special one. Very similar to like Nate Dog is like I feel about like I Busta and Nate like they're such a good ingredient on any track. Like you can throw yeah. them with anybody. Yeah, they and, stand out. For yeah, sure. they're fantastic. And maybe to a lesser extent, like Ludacris. Ludacris is always a fun feature. <laughs> I love Ludacris. I, I do too. He's so yeah. cheeky and weird. I love that guy. I know this is your show, but can I ask a question? Absolutely. What do you do? Like for me, Rage Against the Machine was a really big deal growing up because I was growing up in like rock and roll like country. Yeah. And then there was this like this band making, in my opinion, the only credible rap rock anybody has really ever made, period. I yeah. completely agree. And I think that Zach De La Roca was a great MC, and he was one of the reasons that I was inspired to try my hand at rapping myself. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I think if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I necessarily would have. I ended up making some music when I was young that kind of like was trying to aspire to be that, and I realized that, that wasn't in my pocket at all. But like, <laughs> I think that he's one of the greatest I've ever heard, too, because he did something so completely unique. Yeah. Yeah, that dude like comes with a serious like punch. That guy can can rock out for sure. Absolutely, and and lyrically is impressive for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like he he definitely held his own on every time. Like he's been on a, like a track, like a guest feature and shit. He's always held his own. Yeah, he, like uh, Battle of Los Angeles is one of the first out like CDs I ever bought for myself. Cool. That was that was huge when it came out. Yeah, like I didn't even know what what necessarily Rage Against the Machine was at the time, but I just remember seeing advertisements like Battle Battle of Los Angeles and all that, and I was like, like all right, I might as well give it a shot. And then I checked it out, and then it turns out my brothers were huge Rage fans. Then they gave me like everything that they've done prior, and I was like, all right, this is just the dopest thing of all time. Yeah, yeah. The uh, not not ever seeing Rage is like one of my great regrets. But now, like, am I going to go to fucking Coachella and pay no. eight thousand dollars to watch them play for forty five minutes to a, a crowd that probably doesn't fully get it? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think like they quite. I mean, like, I was trying to, I was trying to like have belief in that other project that they were working on. Like, was the, that profits? Uh, the profits of Rage. Yeah, and I just it just felt a bit forced for me. Like, it didn't feel like the Rage was legitimate. You know? Yeah. No, it felt like a bunch of rich dudes in their fifties and sixties trying to make a rage record. <laughs> yeah, is what totally. it felt yeah, like to me. Like, yeah, and, and I think that's it, right? Like, I, I think a lot of those dudes, like, they can't carry it through once they make it big. Like, yeah. It's like you got nothing to be angry about. Like I think that's exactly what happened to Ice Cube. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he, what are you angry about? You're fucking like six platinum albums deep and you're making movies now. Yeah. Like you you shouldn't be angry anymore. Yeah. It's uh that's a fair point. It's not it wasn't has nothing to do with music, but this uh like MMA trainer John Danaher. He was talking about George St. Pierre. Yeah. And he was like, Yeah, it's hard to get into training when you're and you're living on silk sheets and your fucking mansion. Like why would you get up to do anything? Totally. And you've made that much where's, money. Where's the motivation? How do you like yeah. stay hungry? Right? When you've like, accomplished everything you've ever thought you could accomplish, and you're fucking wealthy, like why why leave the house? I could imagine that it'd be so hard to be stay yeah. motivated or let, let alone angry. Yeah, I mean, and and on top of that, I think you know you also are dealing with labels that are trying to kind of always push that certain type of record. Yeah. So they're not really like supporting like any know, growth, a, a socially relevant record necessarily. They yeah. just want people to like you know get wasted and have a party right right yeah. yeah there's only like a few guys that ever reach that level of cachet like you pretty much have to be like bowie to get to do whatever you want later yeah in your yeah prince bowie yeah, yeah. Right? totally 
So I think, you know, I think a lot of times that's what happens to groups. So like, you know, I mean, you, they also have like, they've gotten all this time to like produce that first record. Right. And yep. like, it's never, I, I mean, I always kind of use Wu-Tang as like a perfect example, like the, as a crew record, you know, like yeah. the first, like Ender the 36 Chambers is probably one of the most important rap albums of all 10 time. out of 10. Absolutely. Fucking eight. Yeah, like it, it's easily one of the, you know, like it was I, in high school. Like I remember like, like metal dudes were listening to it and they were like Wu-Tang's like the only thing I can fucking listen to right now that's dope right and it was fucking rad because it was you know flipping people on the head and shit but it's like you know the next album came out and it's like it wasn't even close in my opinion yeah no it it, it wasn't it has a few moments but yeah they only they only did that as Wu-Tang exactly one time and that was the first time there's been great solo projects but that was the only truly yeah. great Wu-Tang record yeah and, and to me it was always like that first run of, of Wu records too, yeah like we're they're just all certified, like all certified. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, uh, Ian, we'll move on to you. Do you have a, a song in particular that you remember was super impactful? Um, let's see. I mean, I mean, I guess like straight out of Compton, the record, uh, like the song straight out of Compton, like was just massive for me. Yeah. Like I heard that and it just like, like ruined me at the time, you know, like, I couldn't listen to anything else. I was just like so enamored by the whole like image of the this these dudes like you know being so raw, like almost being like punk rock in a way. Like yeah, you know what I mean. Like the the whole like image of like the all black with like the Raiders gear and shit. Like I just love that shit. Yeah, and like that that drum beat. Like even now when I hear it, I get like goosebumps. You know? Yeah, it's just like it's so hard. Dread is finest probably. Yeah, you know, like. And then yeah, like just comes. Uh, that was no diggity, but anyways, right? Wow. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like yeah, my first cube verse like comes through, and it's just like it's unforgettable. Yeah. It's and the unforgettable. T- the tone of Cube's voice, if you like, because I think that was the first time I ever heard Cube. Yeah, it was on that track. The tone of his voice is like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, that guy is raw as fuck yeah. on that record. Yeah. So I mean, that record for me, like, for the time it came out, obviously it was just like. It still stands up. Like that shit yeah. could come out today, and it would still fuck people up. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know it's hard as fuck. Uh, it's socially relevant. I always like I always liked NWA because they were kind of like the halfway point between Public Enemy and Ghetto Boys for me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like Ghetto Boys was obviously like way more like horrorcore based. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, violent and shit. But you go back to listen to that album. It's hip hop to its core. Absolutely, like, it, it totally is. You know, it was, but it was so like gangster at the time, right? Yeah, like, it was. So I mean, yeah, I still, I still listen to that record, like, like religiously. Yeah, that's a very important record, like you said. It, yeah, it, oh. it, it's in my like top three favorite albums across music of all of all time yeah. for me. Like, yeah, super important for me. You mentioned earlier too, like when you watched uh, the message, like that, how that changed you. Yeah, that just happened to everybody. Like that basically created the genre. Yeah, it, it, like it, was, the message. it was like a tidal wave, right? Like yeah. it just really like opened people's eyes too, right? Like you know to what's going on, you know, in these in these places where you know there's some serious oppression going on, and and yeah. it, and it also allowed record companies not only to explore exploit artists from you know like low socioeconomic backgrounds but it also allowed them to use the disco beats that they'd already made for a number of years so they could just sit on the wealth that they'd already made yeah which i think is kind of like an like like a cynical but sort of like underrated like aspect of all that that period in in rap is that they just didn't have to make new beats because they could get the djs to use the old ones yes yeah i mean and that's one of the the things about hip-hop in general that always like took me was the sampling right Mm -hmm. sampling was 
you know, it's remarkable what you can do and like taking something and recycling it into something, you know, yeah. way different. Right. Like, and there's such a, a, a range of shit you can do with a sample, right? Like yeah. You can take one single sample and like flip it like a fucking zillion different ways. Right. So, yeah. Uh, it was kind of heartbreaking when that whole, like all that copyright, you know, shit went through. Cause it really it did sucked. fuck up. It fucked up a lot of <laughs> shit. Right? Yeah. A lot of records didn't get fucking released because yeah. they couldn't get clearance. Right. Um, apparently not the last Danny Brown record, but the one before that, uh, atrocity exhibition. Um, apparently Danny lost money on that record because of how much the samples cost him. But he was it. so interested in making the art itself that he just paid for it out of his own pocket. Well, yeah. good for him though. Like yeah, uh, that, that guy, if we're going to talk about like people who are working right now that matter, Danny Brown's my fucking boy. That guy's for real. Yeah. yeah. I think like right now it's like Danny Brown, Freddie Gibbs, I mean, Run the Jewels, obviously, is yeah. ridiculous. I mean, I, I, and and I, LP is somebody that does not get nearly enough He's He's a credit. personal hero of mine. I think he's unreal. That guy's a fucking monster on the mic. Like, he's, you know, you know Killer Mike's an, an impressive MC, but, like, yeah. LP, if you go back through his catalog, is a fucking, like, genius. That guy's a fucking freaking nature. And his best mic. record, he doesn't even rap on. The Cold Vein, he's got, yeah. like, two verses on the whole record, and that's the shit. <laughs> yeah, it's his, but then, but he's an elite MC. Yeah. But then you look at his production credentials. He's like, that dude's a fucking elite producer too. Like, yeah. you know, everybody is always talking like Dilla, Mad Lib, you know, Pete rock and shit. But that guy has always had like a unique to him, yeah. you know, ever since the beginning, like company flow, obviously fucked a lot of people up too. When it first came out. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, CoFlow was awesome. All the LP records were awesome. That Killer Mike record that he made when they were deciding oh, to man. start doing Run the Jewels Fuck is yeah. awesome. So good. Oh man, and it's such a rad like those two dudes together is such a rad combo. Like, and it really yeah. kind of like brought LP in into the forefront. Yeah, because like he was relatively unknown prior to that. Like that whole Def Jux catalog is crazy. You know, you go back and like he had fucking tons of dudes on there. Like Dell was on that fucking record mm -hmm. yeah. label for a while, and like. The best Aesop rock records were during that era. Definitely. Uh, he made a star out of Mr. Lift somehow. Um, yeah. I Phantom was a great record. I will stand beside that record. Oh, but, fuck uh, yeah. And like, he had like, like seven L and Esoteric who are doing the Zarface shit now or the, with, um, with Inspect a Deck. And uh, those guys were just like little kids out of Boston. Yeah. who could barely rap. And like, you know, they, that was all LP. He made all of that. I remember when they were doing those um, sound bombing records and he literally came out on record and said, sign to Rockus. I'd rather get mouth fucked by Nazis, Nazis unconscious. unconscious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then one he started, of, then he started his own label. That's one of my favorite fucking lines that he's ever said. Uh, so, yeah. good. so fucking good. Yeah. Speaking of Boston though, uh, probably one of my still favorite MCs is out of Boston. Edon. Oh, totally. Yes. That dude is a fucking machine. His verses on uh, planet, it's a planet spaceship, spaceship planet or something, are fucking ridiculous. They're like an acid trip. Like listening to him rap is fucking crazy. Yeah, that's dope. But every yeah, every record that dude touches is fucking unreal. I mean, he, he kind of likes to disappear. But his last record with uh, Homeboy Sandman was actually pretty fucking rad. Humble Pie. I don't know if you guys checked that. I out. I haven't. I like Homeboy Sandman, but I don't know that record. Oh man, it came out last year. It's it's fucking dope. But I mean, his and that's another dude that like raps and produces that that like are super unique. Yeah. But that guy is a fucking lyrical beast. You know who's like not really in my wheelhouse, but I've really come to love is uh, JID. That guy can really, really fucking rap, man. And I really like his I really like his style. Like he obviously owes a lot to, to J. Cole and Kendrick and guys like that, but he's really got his own thing. Phoebe it? loves him too. Yeah. Fucking right. Got the endorsement. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah. Phoebe, Phoebe loves hip hop. 
are there any producers that you remember that were very important when you first got into the that you were just like who the fuck made this beat and then you just had to know oh premiere i mean like that was the first one for me I guess other than Dre, where I was like, yeah. I need to know more about this. Because I was just a fucking kid. I didn't know anything. Yeah. I didn't even know what a producer was, probably, until somebody older explained it to me. But yeah, like when I when I first found out about Premiere. And then I remember when Neptune's records started coming out. And this was, of course, much later. But I was like, what is that? Yeah. I want to know more about that. Yeah, another like totally and the like, RZA. specific. RZA, RZA's ridiculous. But yeah, the Neptune's definitely like crafted like a very unique sound. Timbaland obviously yeah. has to get mm-hmm. props, but yeah, P Rock was always kind of like my favorite dude back in the day. Yeah, um, he's kind of like the you know classic. He like you know everybody kind of models that like '90s hip hop beat after him. You know what I yeah. mean? Like he, I mean he's probably you know owes that to like Large Professor or something. Yeah, but, I was, was, was him and Kid Capri. Yeah, I was uh, I was just talking about Primo because uh, there's these these kids of Peacocks, and I was. We were just talking about rap and hip hop, and I'm and they were. T- I can't remember what uh, this one kid said. So and so is the best producer of all time. I was like that, and I fucking can't remember who it was. Like I wouldn't even have that guy in the top five. And then he asked me who I'd have in my top five or like top three or whatever. And I was like, well, historically, like how would you, how could you ever go against like, you know, Dilla, you know, Dr. Dre, RZA, and like Premier. And he's like, who? And I was like, DJ Premier, Primo. He's like, that sounds like a radio DJ. <laughs> Like he just had no clue, and he was the one who started this whole you know, conversation. You know what? Though props because he's right. Nowadays, that does sound like a radio. DJ. Yeah, like you started this whole conversation. You don't know <laughs> yeah. who Primo is. Yeah, he's literally synonymous. Like I like him and Pete Rock for like New York producers are are with one and two. I would say. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably Primo probably deserves kind of like the king of that position, but yeah. Yeah, like large, large professor. Actually, shockingly, uh, Mo Love from Ultramagnetic MCs. I was recently bumping like their second and third album. Yeah, that guy's fucking beats are crazy. Mm. And like with cool, like early cool Keith when like he was raw as fuck uh, on those records. Yeah. Like, yeah. man, like those are great fucking records. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know who else too um, is MF Doom? That guy. Uh, yes. MF Doom's beats and Madlib too, um, because they are responsible for. Possibly the greatest rap record of all time, Mad Villainy. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Front, front to back, I got that CD the week that it came out. I was living in Toronto, um, in in uh, in Little Italy Village on College Street, and me and my buddy Jason Trill, uh, love you, buddy, if you're listening to this. <laughs> we used to go to this this like weed cafe called the Hotbox Cafe in Kensington Market every day that summer that we weren't working, and you couldn't buy weed there, but you could smoke it in the back. They had good lawyers for some reason, and we would just like. Just bump that shit all day and play chess and get high. Yeah. Fuck yeah. That sounds like a fantastic day. It was a good summer. I yeah. love Kensington Market, man. It's oh, like yeah. a rat's it's nice there. Eat so many burritos. Oh, yeah. Speaking of uh, Madlib, the Pinata, actually, I got to say, is one of my, I, have, I think, a very important record to me in the past, like, decade. It's a good like record. That, oh, man. The, like, both Pinata and Bandana are yes. fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think Bandana was probably the rap album of the year for me. Yeah. Mm. Like, to be honest, like, I don't think I've bumped anything else more than that rap-wise this year. Yeah. That's actually kind of what I wanted Marlon here, because that's what uh, Pinata is, I, I think, is his current favorite, like, album oh, of the man. past 10 years. Fucking Heralds. Heralds uh, is my fucking jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's how I, uh, Marlon's the one who told me all about uh, Madlib. I wasn't. Too, like I knew the name, but I wasn't quite familiar with all of his work. 
and just introduced me to everything Madlib. Like the guy's a fucking mad scientist. It's crazy. Yeah. He's and, such a workhorse. And some of the stuff that he was doing really early on with um loot pack and some of that yeah. some of that really early stuff. Like yeah, Wild Child and shit. Yeah. He was already making stuff that nobody had heard the like of. Mm -hmm. And then just like kind of just rolled with it. I mean, he's definitely completely. I mean, that dude has single handedly sold, for, been like a salesman for Roland's, uh, you know, like yeah. the sampler se series, like the 303 and the 404s and shit, because that yeah. guy's like a wizard on that shit. It's crazy. And like a few beats on um, Bandana, like uh, on Instagram. Yeah, I think he posted it on Instagram or Twitter or something. He's like, yeah, I made that beat on my phone. And people are like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what? It's like, yeah, my iPhone. And everyone's like, how the fuck did you do it? And like, it's just like, I just did it. Like, Don't like, worry about that. Yeah, this guy's a fucking wizard. Yeah. I love it. it oh, the first, uh, yeah, the first song that um, I really enjoyed was, uh, was it the auditorium, the most deaf? Like, mm. that beat is one of my favorite beats ever. Like, I just, like, I think about it all the time. It's just such a cool, steady, hard beat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of these guys, like, I remember when I was in my college years getting really into guys like DJ Vadim and there was like, you know, Peanut Butter Wolf and all those guys back then where they were doing that whole shit. Hearing these stories about these dudes instead of going and like, you know, fighting with Large Professor and Premier and the, and the UMA guys and whatever for record crates, these guys are literally traveling to China to try to find like weird fucking records where nobody's used those sounds before. Yeah. And they were producing, some of it wasn't even good, but it was always interesting. Man. Yeah, super like, interesting. Yeah. All that like, yeah, early ninja tune shit like herbalizer yeah like that kind of like foray to i guess trip hop or whatever it kind of got like labeled as whatever but like you you go back and listen to a lot of that stuff and like it's fucking cool like dj crush and shit like dj yeah. food there's some fucking jams like those are filled with like ill ill beats that are just like super well produced yeah i mean lyrically just to kind of jump back to you know the West Coast underground of the 90s really kind of ultimately got me, like, so far rooted into hip-hop. Like, all the Hyro shit, all the early, like, Project Blowed shit. Yeah. You know, I really loved how in, like, season three of Hip Hop Evolution, like, Freestyle Fellowship got their fucking due. On nice. That. Like, yeah, that was... Watch that. Like, fucking, like, hearing Snoop Dogg saying that he bumped the shit out of Freestyle Fellowship, <laughs> like, like actually, like, melted my heart a little bit. Yeah. Was, you like, know that had to be, like, at least in part Shad's, like, like passion project for the whole series, too, because if you listen to him rap, like, he obviously owes a lot of his shit to those so, guys. and. Yeah, that's which which is dope. I really like Shad. He yeah. kind of sucked on Q, but he, everything else he's been on is good. Yeah, uh, he's like he's like a solid dude, but he's like he just feels like he feels like a Canadian rapper, you know. He does. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Although he had that that uh, blah blah duck like foie gras line on that one record that I thought was pretty sweet. Oh, he's so, like yeah. he's a good MC for sure. Like, there's no doubt, no doubt. But Meister Fresh West, right? Like, yeah. you know, drop the needle. Symphony, you know, like Symphony is a fucking classic album. You know, it has one blemish. I mean, Private Symphony is a fucking terrible song, but <laughs> the rest of that album is fucking crazy good. Like that, that is a a record. Drop the needle is definitely a record. I would say that had some impact. I still bump that, mm -hmm. bump that one a lot too. But yeah, all that early high row. Um, one of my my probably my favorite rap album of all time is actually uh, AC Alone Book of Human Language. Ah, uh, that's a good one. That's a fucking, good pick. It's it's a serious album. That yeah. It's a serious. I've been trying to find it on, on vinyl. It's like, you got to order that shit and it's like $200. I'm just like, yeah, Fuck. I gotta, I gotta get one. I gotta get one. There's certain, I need it. That's kind of the fun part about vinyl. I find like, like when you finally find the album that you've been looking for forever, 
I, I didn't get the album, but I got like the single, like the because when Marlon and I were still doing all vinyl shows, ODB "Baby I Got Your Money" is like one of the greatest songs you could play as a DJ of all time. Quintessential for sure. It'll never, it'll never not fucking kill. Uh, and I found it at Beat Street of all places, and I've looked online, and if you find the actual album itself, like the full album, it's like three hundred bucks and impossible to find. And I've just found this the single there. And I looked on top and it just said like a hundred on the top. I was like, this is a hundred bucks. I don't fucking care. I'm never going to find this anywhere. I looked at it. I played it. It sounded perfect. And then I brought it up and the guy's like, all right, it'll be, th- uh, it'll be like $17. And I was like, what? And then I realized it was just like the BPMs at the top. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, it's nice fine. Yeah. And like, I found, um, acid rap finally, like they just re-released that on vinyl. Like, and like, that's a super hard album to find for like the longest time. Yeah. Yeah, and just digging around and finding, you know, your favorite albums on vinyl. That I don't know, that's something still very special to me. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, fucking ODB, man. So, so good. Yeah. I, guy's got some crazy, crazy <laughs> lines on that early album, man. Like, yeah. I mean, it must have been hard for Rizzo to, like, <laughs> R- to rein him in. Cor- corral, yeah. corral ODB into, into doing that record, but fuck, man, it's a good record. Have you watched their, the documentary on Will? Like, the, I've watched of Mike's and Men? Yeah, yeah, I've watched some of it for sure. Yeah. Still haven't gotten around to it. Because, you know, how, like, the RZA, like, he produced all their early work, like, uh, their solo projects. And everyone was getting frustrated because, like, I want to make, like, like uh, I don't want to wait for Ghost's album to come out. Like, I want to do mine now. But RZA's like, sorry, I'm working with Ghost. And they were all just kind of stuck in limbo for a while because he could only do one album or so many at a time. And then, like, ODB goes to prison and all the shit. And then, like, the RZA let everyone else out of their contracts so they can go elsewhere and he didn't for odb like he uh, he just kind of had this like personal thing where he's like yeah i just like i couldn't i couldn't let go of old dirty like it's my cousin and whatnot and then but he was like dude you're like you're holding like he was literally just holding him back and it's just such a drag because like i i love old dirty bastard he was one of the he was incredibly charismatic yeah (laughs) like oh yeah one of the most confident dudes on the mic i think i've ever heard in my life no doubt yeah yeah charisma and confidence fucking beyond yeah yeah and uh very short-lived it's too bad yeah it's too bad it's also crazy about to, to think about what went down with uh rizzo's basement studio when it flooded back in that day those days because hmm. he lost like his entire first studio to flooding shit <laughs> that <laughs> sucks crazy Fuck. right so you gotta think about like how many fucking dope beats that dude was just like sitting on probably yeah like waiting mm. yeah so imagine i love um like going into like his beat productions, like I wouldn't know who Sil Johnson is if it wasn't for the RZA. Yeah, like he sampled so much from him. Yeah, and then just going through that, and like Marlon's like, "Oh, if you like that beat, like check out Sil Johnson." And I was like, "All right, fucking." And, and like that's even the the other fun part about when you get into the genre of music is like all their samples and finding out where they came from, and especially Dr. Dre because he pulls some obscure shit and then will change it in a way, and you're like, "What the fuck? I don't even know how that's the same song anymore." Like it's. Like he's got such a crazy, unique mind for for music. Sorry, my dog's tripping balls. Oh, she's doing great. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things. Is like you know, in the the CD and tape era back in the day, it was like going through the liner notes and you know, CD, mm-hmm. like, you know, because they would lay it all out. Like they'd be like, this sample contained his Parliament Funkadelic or yep. whatever, right? But it was so fucking rad to like. I love that. Like it was always like my favorite part was to like go through the liner notes of uh of of the covers and see like where where those samples came from right yeah and like i mean they use them so many times like how many times has parliament been used right like, <laughs> yeah i miss that i miss that about cds 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean CDs, records, cassettes. The digital era really has changed things because I, mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, when I first got like my my iPod back in like you know the mid two yeah. thousands, and you know, it's like I spent more time scrolling for something to listen to. It's like Netflix now, right? It's like you fucking you get lost in the and paralyzed by choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The record's supposed to do that for you. That's why I still enjoy the format. Like I, I know guys older than me that don't even fuck with records anymore. They have no nostalgia for it. And they prefer the way that it is now, but. I'd, I would much prefer to just listen to a record. Even if it has some moments that suck, it's supposed to be a full piece, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah it's like, and it's, phys- it's the most physical, the most physical fucking medium, right? Like, you, you have to uh, turn some shit on, put the record on the, pl- on, on the platter, and fucking and go, right? Like, it, you're involved in the whole process. Yeah. And it's still, like, the quickest. Like, you want to find, find a point in that song, you can, like, by hand get to that point in the yeah. song, and, like, fucking instantaneously. Yeah. You still can't really do that with like an iPod, you know. No, I like my records. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, was, yeah you do. Got some good, good ones in here. Some DOS effects at the bottom there. Effects, right? I love DOS effects. Oh man, I love them because they were one of the bands. Uh, they were one of the groups, sorry, that I discovered just on my own, like no influence from my siblings or anything. I was just going through some shit, and I, I think I heard them on the radio. And I was like, all right, fuck. And then I just looked it up, and that was right around the time LimeWire was coming out. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I just had everything <laughs> ready to go. When yep. you just would destroy your family's computer with LimeWare. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, you think you're getting the dope record, and then it's like, you know, some corrupted porn video or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I still wouldn't throw away. Well, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. You found some gems in there. You never know what you might get. Right? Yeah. It's a surprise. Yeah. Is there anything that you guys are excited about now that maybe you're looking forward to? Like somebody in particular's next album? Or that you're just hoping make another album? <sighs> I really want more material out of Dave East. Mm. Um, I think JPEG Mafia is really good. I like Earth Gang. Um, yeah. I hope that... I'm, I'm really worried that Kendrick's going to fall off, and I really hope that he stays at a high level. Yeah. Because uh, I think he's been really special. Also, like speaking of those guys, I hope Schoolboy Q gets his head back in the game because the last record sucked, but the one before that, Blank Face, that's one of my favorite records of the yeah. decade. That, that shit was awesome awesome yeah so hard so fucking hard so yeah i don't know i like those guys yeah yeah i mean i I really want edon to put out another record i don't know if he will because he's a weirdo for sure (laughs) um yeah there's not a lot that i'm excited about i've been i mean lately i just been digging back into the past but yeah uh yeah earth gang's dope um yeah i think you know kendrick again is somebody that needs to keep putting out good music yeah we'll see what happens um well you know like to be fair to him though i think he's already got more classics than nas like i mean kendrick's kendrick's already made a very big impact oh yeah he's the biggest art i mean like he's the biggest artist in hip-hop in my opinion in the last decade yeah i mean i i I heard i had this i got the section 80 mixtape you know and like when i heard rigor mortis and ADHD, like, I would, it, it like renewed, it renewed my faith. In, yeah. In, in hip hop, like, use such I, a breath of fresh air. Like as we're talking about, like all the mumble rap and all this other stuff yeah. that was going on, went right when you were like, oh fuck, like you know, like it, it was almost like the the genre's last dying breath for us. And then like you get Kendrick, and he just comes out of nowhere, and you're like, <gasps> like finally, thank you, like someone, like a West Coast rapper, <laughs> just kind of bringing it back for me. Because yeah. I, I, I didn't listen to anything really for a while in the genre because I was just kind of like, you know, I think I had my fill. I'm not really enjoying what's going on right now. And then 
I kind of dipped out, and then Kendrick was one of the people that kind of brought me back. Yeah, it was really kind of, I mean, the, the end of the 2000s kind of, you know, the, the game had changed so much, right? Mm-hmm. Like that post kind of 90s flashy side of rap, right? Like commercial side of it, you know, obviously became a world, massive worldwide phenomenon, huge. It's dominated like, you know, every probably charts everywhere yeah drake moved more units than anybody in the world in the last 10 years fucking drake like (laughs) you know the guy can rap for sure when he sets down to rap i actually don't mind it at all but then he you know makes some songs like about like some bullshit like like 4 4 a.m in calabasas was actually pretty cracking like every once in a while drake will just rap and it's like okay cool thank you for finally fucking rapping one time instead of giving me all this other garbage but that's some old man shit i'm sorry yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I personally don't give a fuck about Drake. I don't. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. It's hard because he makes a bunch of shitty fucking music. Yeah, yeah. you hear that, Aubrey? <laughs> yeah. And he you know puts out you know the odd track where yeah you can rap, but yeah, yeah. I mean it's like a sign of the times. I mean I like it's hard to keep up with with music nowadays. Yeah, like it's there's so much saturation. Like <laughs> oddly enough, I was uh in the YouTube vortex. Like what? I don't know if you guys know who Tom McDonald is. I guess no. he's like some some white dude from Vancouver, but he's like reps America or whatever. But he's like in a in a diss war with like Mac Lethal right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like you know it, it was interesting. And like the only thing I really remember was just like one of the comments said like this is the Walmart version of, of Eminem versus MGK, and I was like that's a fucking aft comment for sure. Yeah, but yeah, he kind of got you know, he kind of got sucked into it. But it's like you know the the whole thing with rap right now is so weird. Like it's so distorted from its original self that it's, it's, yeah. it's barely recognizable. Yeah. You know, but it, it also gives you a lot of avenues of possibility, right? Because oh. like t- 15 years ago, we never could have had a Danny Brown free to feel like he could do whatever the fuck that he wanted. Yeah. And um, as much as I'm not a big fan of his, I think that all of this is at least to a certain extent, kid Cudi's fault. Cause he was the one that started singing when he was supposed to rap. And making songs that were like more about making songs than it was about making raps. Yeah. And for as much as it gave us a lot of shit music, it's also sort of opened things up. And yeah. uh, at least like at least like there's room to breathe now because the reason why trap started is because ra- like rap as we more traditionally understood it was getting stagnant. Yeah. And Ti couldn't fucking save it, and none of these guys could fucking save it. So, I mean, that's what happens. It's gonna evolve. Yeah. yeah, and it's just going through like different periods of that evolution where it's like the mumble rap thing will pass. It'll be interesting what the next incarnation is. Yeah. It's well, like it, fucking like Gandalf the Grey going into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't matter because we have little B. Oh, man. What the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's weird, right? You know, like the weird like emo softcore shit like fucking what's that dude that just died? Fucking with all the tattoos on his face. Mac Miller? No, not Mac Miller. Mac Miller. Was Mac like, Miller could fucking rap. Yeah, man. Like you, a lot of people hated on Mac Miller, and but like, I I I liked a lot of the stuff he did. Uh, no, that fucking little one of the little motherfuckers. <laughs> all those fucking the guy the guy shot. Oh, no, um, that was Juice World. Yeah, he just uh, Takashi Six Nine was the one that went that snitched when he was going to jail. Right. I, I have a hard time keeping up. Was it little little pump? Not little pump. It's the other little one. <laughs> little little baby. <laughs> no. Little, uh, well, there's the baby, but he's still no, alive. I, Actually, that record kind of cracked this year. Yeah, he's but he was like one well, of like like you know it, it's not even it's not even hip hop like it's a, it's a, just a weird like offshoot tangent of 
something that resembled hip hop at one point. But like yeah. it's like the YouTube generation of of rap is such a weird thing. It's more about like the visual almost yeah. than like the music itself at this point and like what's gonna go viral or whatever. Well I think the reason we don't understand it is because we haven't done enough Xanax. Yes. That's true. I definitely you know like the These kids party different and they, I think that's got something to do with it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like I still just like, you know, like weed and beer and shit. Yeah. And, and if you like weed and beer, how is it going to get better than like doggy style or whatever? You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Damn yeah man, dude, right? Yeah, I can reefer and beer, smoke man. weed, listen shit. to the Dogfather album or something. Just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just chill. Oh fuck, dude, it's it's weird. Kids are such dorks now. It's Neil Brennan's right. Rolling in packs, like head head to the floor, like with their phone in their face and shit. Yeah. It's like, but they're also kind of fearless too, like. I'm not necessarily trying to defend the children here, but like these little blue haired motherfuckers are afraid of nothing. And they, they, they don't have the hangups that we have when we were younger. And maybe some of those hangups weren't the worst thing, but I don't know, man, I'm, I, if there's one thing I will say nice about the kids these days, they, they seem fearless to me. Really? I, I, I see it differently. Like the, I think they're scared of everything. Like this whole, like everything like, or like around like cancel culture and all this other shit. Like these are, they're just like a bunch of little whiny pussies to me. Like but in all honesty, ass. Yeah. And they tell everybody about it. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't know. Like I don't. Like I don't think the. Uh, like it. I think it's rare to like that they're making kids that could physically, you know, beat anybody up in a fight. Or like I'm not saying that that's necessary, but there's just like a a generation of little fucking pussies these days, and it bothers me. <laughs> I think one of the things that bugs me is like the whole like we invented woke culture or something, you know? What I mean? Yeah. Like that shit, like that's not a thing. Like you, yeah, no motherfucker. Like people were on that shit like way back when. Yeah. You know, so like this whole idea that like yeah, read Silent Spring, bitch. <laughs> it's fucked up, right? Like you know, this whole like it's just like a hypersensitive. You know, I'm offended by everything. Kind yeah. Of thing. It's not like you're not fucking conscious. Like you're no, you're fucking like you know sedated yeah really. they're saying boilerplate things too like it's like nobody's it's not like this is a generation of like immense original thoughts like they're just kind of rehashing old shit and being like yeah well we're the we're the, we're the woke ones and like yeah. no like this has been a thing for a while like yeah i feel like we're having the exact same conversation that our dads had if they would have had this little studio set up like yeah. 25 years ago though I, I think that everybody thinks that about the generation that's younger than them yeah and i think these kids are all right fuck they fuck with bernie sanders i think they're okay you know <laughs> oh no like guaranteed there's a lot of like good kids out there and shit but yeah there's a lot of fucking morons out there and it just maybe it's just because we're all connected connected to the the nebulous thing that, yeah you know so we can kind of get insight into everybody's thoughts now yeah every every opinion has a very loud voice now but yeah i, I fully agree like our my our parents generation were fighting around me like nah like mahogany rush was like underrated and it's like yeah we know who the fuck mahogany rush is right <laughs> yeah. but like that dude is like serious like a serious guitar player right anyway but then their parents generation were like well I mean, we were listening to pioneers of the west or whatever right? like, <laughs> yeah you know so yeah every generation thinks the previous generation's out of touch and the previous generation thinks the new generation fucked up and devil worshippers so yeah yeah just this is the newest incarnation yeah yeah either way you fucking piss me off it's gonna be exciting to see what comes next i mean if these yeah. kids are if these kids are doing this shit now what's coming next because, yeah because we were incredibly radical to, to to our parents yeah it's ridiculous 
Yeah, I'm fucking scared, man. I got a, I just got a, had a kid a little while back. Congratulations. I'm like, fuck, man. Like, what do I have to, to look forward to with that shit? Like, yeah. You know, it's like, I want to fucking, anybody even like looks at my, my kid wrong. I want to fuck them up, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know why? Well, that, that's one thing that I don't think has ever changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Who knows, man? It's going to get real fucking weird from now. It is weird. I mean, we don't even know how long this earth could sustain us anyways. Like, we're, like, drowning up here. All this fucking rain and the other half is burning down. Yeah, man. That's, mm-hmm. like I said, extinction level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not opposed to this. No, I was talking about this at work. And, like, Maya, one of the girls I work with, she's like, oh, yeah, well, how do you know that you're not going to be part of the extinction? And I was like, you know what? Even if I am, that would happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not above my own logic. I know that I can catch one of these diseases or I'm I'm equally flammable as a lot of other people. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I, that's why I only shop at Walmart. I'm down with that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, like you, you gotta wonder what the fuck would happen if like some like electromagnetic pulse, just like off like you know solar flare, like wiped out all the electronics. Like motherfuckers would die. Yeah. Uh huh. Absolutely. There's not a lot of people that would. Be I don't know how to hunt for my food. Right. No. Right. I mean, I know some things about plants now. And, I mean, I could probably do okay with some of that, but yeah, it wouldn't be fun. I think you'd be okay though. I mean. You, you, yeah, like you said, you know your shit around plants. I'm sure you can kill an animal and you fare very well in fist fights. So it's not like, <laughs> it's not like anyone's just going to roll you. Like, yeah, you, uh, yeah, I don't think you're going to be victimized that all that often. Well, you know, sometimes you end up sugarless in an alley. Right? <laughs> yeah. Lucky bar alleyways. Uh, oh, lucky bar. What a fun night that was. That was a fantastic evening. We got, didn't, uh, so this, we, we tried to go see John Wick 2. And we we arrived, um, it was maybe like five or ten minutes after like the movie had started. They'd completely locked up, wouldn't sell us a ticket at the Capital Six. And we're like, what the fuck? We're here. Like, we'll pay, like, we have cash right now. Like, just let us in. Like, nope, we're closed. And they just wouldn't open the door. So we went to Peacock's and just rage drank. And then uh, <laughs> after that, we were like, all right, Peacock's closed down. Like, let's go to fucking Lucky. And we, we went to Lucky. Uh, got super hammered and uh, as we were leaving we were just cutting through the alleyway and there was some just douchey like 20 like early 20s year old kid who was talking shit like uh, I think it was like a British guy and like an Irish dude and then Ian intervened and then that guy started trying to fight Ian and at that point that's when I came out and I was like oh fuck what the hell's happening so Rich took you aside and he's like don't kill this kid like you had your shirt off and you're just ready to match this kid and then I was like, all right. Then I, I, I removed the kid from it and he started trying to fight me. And I was like, buddy, you need to get the fuck out of here. Like you have no idea how close he is to just literally ripping your fucking head off. And then, uh, those, that British and Irish dude were like, all right. And they start calming that guy down. And I was like, all right, like they have this handled. I walk maybe 10, like 10, 11 steps down. And then I can just hear like, I look back and that Irish dude's fucking up the kid. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, he was your voice of reason, and now he's getting tuned up. Yeah, I remember. I remember one point I was like halfway through, like having already taken my shirt off and been being like, "What am I doing?" <laughs> yeah. so I kind of like came to my senses, but I'm like, I'm already shirtless. I guess I yeah kind of follow through with it. And, and then we had uh, we had a bunch of Jamesons left over, so we went. We just drank in the street right in front of the keg. Right on the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're there nice. for about 45 <laughs> minutes, just you, me, and Rich. And then, sure enough, that kid wanders by. And we're like, oh, it's that fucking kid. And then he starts talking shit again. And then he leaves. And then we're like, man, that kid fucking sucks. And then uh, you two, you and Rich dipped. I went up the street to go grab a, to go grab some McDonald's. And sure enough, that kid is being pulled, uh, being lifted into the fucking ambulance. He got knocked out right in front of a. Uh, McDonald's. Wow. 
Yeah, I, or that's he got. A, that's a night right there for that. Uh, history's never been short on idiots. I'll tell you one thing that I just learned though, which is that our function, Barry, you and I, like you know, after the extinction level event, is going to be talking people out of fighting one another. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> or I, or I'll just encourage them to kill each other. Then I get the loot. <laughs> the spoils. Yes. Give me the loot. Give me the loot. <laughs> that was almost one of the songs that I picked today, but I decided, like you know, maybe it wasn't my place. That yeah. is a great song. It is that, a fantastic that was song. My favorite favorite Biggie song of that era. Yeah, that song would fucking. That's killed it. that's a that's a great fucking song. Yeah, that and Brooklyn's finest off of uh, Reasonable Doubt. Yeah, wow, we really we really we we, we crossed many genres here, guys. Indeed. Yeah, Marlon really missed out. Till next time. Yeah, that fucking mm-hmm. f. Um, <laughs> Marlon. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny, cool about this? We can actually phone him. Like uh, this has a channel. Specifically designated for phone calls. That's dope. Actually, let's try. Let's do it. See what happens. See if his punk ass will answer. Can you guys hear it? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I think with the setup too, he can hear all of us. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I wonder if he's avoiding. I think he might know that I have this capability. <laughs> he's currently in the podcast right now. Yeah, he's just. Yes. That's probably all of them. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dope though. I love this thing. That you've reached. Marlon Keenan. Oh, you son of a bitch. Uh. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, uh, I, I, it's kind of a bummer because he's, he's so knowledgeable in terms of like, like all the, the beats and the production and, uh, yeah. like where all the samples came from. Like, that's just his whole fucking thing. Yeah. I've had some good chats with Marlon about production. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Can't win them all. No. Nope. Uh, also, should we, ch- uh, let's check out this, um, Black Thought. Oh, so. Just in case any of your fine listeners aren't familiar with this, I think it was the Christmas before last. It was right around then. Just out of nowhere, as Funkmaster Flex does on Hot 97 Radio in New York City, he has guys come on and do do freestyles. Now, freestyle doesn't mean just rapping off the top of your head like it used to. They just they practice and they get a beat and then they go in and like he's had some really good ones over the years. Like I, this, I think it's one of the reasons Action Bronson is famous. He's one of my favorite currently working rappers, for example. Um, but then Black Thought comes in there, and usually these raps are like three minutes long or something like that. And Black Thought just comes in and raps for like 11 minutes out of nowhere and inspires a bunch of other guys, including uh, Royce the 5'9", who actually did a pretty good one after him, to yeah. try and follow suit because it was really clear what, what Black Thought was trying to do, which was just like throw the fucking gauntlet down and be like, oh, yeah, you guys like to come on radio shows? I dare you to beat this shit. And to my mind, no one has before or since. He fucking murders it for sure. It's something else. Let's cue this up here then. Oh, fuck you, ads. Yeah, it's a horseshit. Yo, Barry, I got to dip out, my man. All right. I got to go home and get the kid fed. All right. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for joining in. Yeah, man. I'm yeah, sure. this was fun. Um, Absolutely. Cool. No doubt. No doubt. Well, yeah, thanks for having me, and I, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming, man. It's good to see you. It's been yeah, a while. Likewise. Yeah. Biking weekend coming up. We do. It's just gonna get yeah, crazy. I'm geared up. I started doing yoga. I need to be limber. You gotta be limber for that. Oh yeah, you told me about this shit. Yeah, Viking weekend. It's, it's yes, <laughs> it is for real. <laughs> it legitimately changes lives. Word. Well, yeah. You guys have a good one. Cool. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Word. Safe travels, buddy. Yeah, man. Nice to meet you, brother. Yeah, pleasure. You know what they're fucking talking about. That that much is true. All right. I've actually haven't seen this before. So. You've never seen this before. No. Ah, uh, you're in for a treat, buddy. All right. <laughs> Yeah, and I love myself some Black Thought. Oh, yeah. yeah. This, is probably, this might be the best thing he's done. It's fucking. I savage. think you could make the case. Yeah. I think it's savage. 
All right. All right. Good to see you, buddy. See you, man. All right. Let's take a peek. <laughs> you know what we do in this situation. <laughs> he looks fucking great, too. He does. He looks the part. By like about like four minutes into this ridiculous epic rap that he does, he's sweating so hard, but he never even thinks about taking off the jacket or the hat or the glasses. <laughs> he just fucking looks the part. <laughs> I was going to just ask him, a, I was going to rattle off questions because I know it'd make him uncomfortable, but. <laughs> that was uncomfortable. That was. <laughs> Ooh, hi, what? <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not that important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. God damn, though. Like some of the things that he says here too is like uh, one of the one of the lines is he says it's like Sharia law for my Sharia more. Like <laughs> some of the ways that he's like mixing up languages and phrasing and yeah. like just like sentence structure to begin with. Fuck, he's a fucking genius. Yeah. It's also like. Funkmaster Flex likes to get like really excited when these rappers are doing this because he genuinely loves rap. He's yeah. been in it forever. And uh, I don't know if I've ever seen him so stupefied as he yeah. is during this performance. He doesn't even know what to do with himself. Yeah. He's the coolest dude on the planet. Absolutely. Well, he's, he's always been one of the most stylish dudes. Yeah. I mean, you have to be cool to compare with the cool of... Uh... Oh, Quest? Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ, look at me go. Yeah, it's like you can you can only do something like this if you've been rocking those super long shows for your whole life. Like, yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. You're not kidding. He just looks in awe. Uh Flex? Yeah. He's just kinda Like I like I imagine that he that he informed Flex about how long he was gonna be rapping beforehand, but Yeah. I've probably watched this shit seven or eight times already, maybe more. You know, so this is like I've spent I've spent like probably a good couple hours of my life just watching this video because that's how impressive it is to me. Yeah, it's spent like this is album quality. Yeah, just so hungry. Just yeah. Feed me more black thought. Yeah. Ugh. It's so good. <laughs> that's fantastic. Just drops in like maybe the best punchline of the whole song, like nine minutes in. Yeah. Eight minutes in. Still just as good as the first. Yeah. Yeah, you're not kidding. He's sweating. Well, he's working harder sitting down than yeah. most people ever work standing up in their lives right yeah. now. Yeah, like if for those like for those who aren't actually watching this, like he like you can just like seeing the sweat, like, oh man, this must be exhausting. But like hearing him, it sounds perfect. Like he doesn't sound strained at all. Yeah. Yet no point does he sound out of breath or like he's trying to catch a breath. Like it's fucking crazy. Still bob my head to a Muppet like this, and I've seen it so many times. <laughs> I I I love Flex's energy. It just since I was in high school, it's always been just at ten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, I think for I think for a lot of us, it's uh, Andy up by MOP was uh, was where we got really familiar with Flex introducing that song at the yeah. start. He sounds the same here as he does then. Absolutely, twenty two years ago or whatever. Yeah, he hasn't skipped a beat. Mm -mm. That's awesome. That was fantastic. I can. I'm surprised I haven't seen that before. I'm surprised you haven't seen it too. I uh, I'm fucking up. I definitely recommend that you do a little do a little YouTube swim into some of his other appearances. Yeah. Um, and if you're gonna watch the action Bronson ones, watch them in order because you could tell the first time Bronson shows up, he's like, "Who the fuck is this?" Yeah. And by the third time, he's so happy to have him there. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, he's great. He, he, yeah, it, for anybody who's listening to this who doesn't know what I look like, um, I look like, well, Action Bronson looks like me, but balder and with an extra 200 pounds. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah, fuck, I love Black Thought. It's been, have you seen the cipher when it's Black Thought, Most Deaf, and Eminem? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Oh yeah, that yeah, was, that was 2000, 2009, yeah. I think, the BET cipher. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I'm probably wrong about that. Anyways, yeah, like the most deaf verse is pretty good, and yeah. then Black Thought's like flawless, but like. Eminem was so hot at the time and was yeah. so good on that track that he gets all the shine from that performance. But I thought Black Thought was just as good. Oh yeah, it's um, it, it's all because of that um, that Obama Osama line yeah. that uh, Eminem drops in there that just made everybody's heads explode, which is really like understandable. It's a really great line. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was good. Um, there was a few from like Redman that I saw, like Redman ciphers that are incredibly hard to find. Mm. Like a few of them just popped up on Facebook, and I I don't know why I didn't save the link. I feel like I feel like the thing that separates Redman from a lot of his peers is he's he doesn't give a shit. So he's a terrible he doesn't. He's a terrible self promoter. Like yeah. all these other guys are going out there doing work for themselves and Redman would rather chill and yeah. make his money when he needs to. Yeah. You know? And uh the, and like, you know, I think he's undeniably top 10 greatest rappers of all time. Yeah. No question about it. At least top 20. But uh he just he just doesn't play the game the way a lot of No, guys he doesn't do. give a fuck. No. Like you remember his uh his episode of Cribs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this little house in new jersey doesn't even yeah. clean up I love no it. no just like dirty old and like he's like this is my studio and it's basically just a big it was just a big closet basically <laughs> <laughs> like, like i i love that i love i love red man like he's he's one of my favorite just favorite anything like artists like not even just a rapper like he's so fun he's so cheeky and he's so good at what he does yeah absolutely He's someone I would just like, like, I think you just get the impression that he'd be awesome for anybody to hang out with. No, no doubt. Yeah. Like I mean, he doesn't give a fuck. He just likes cool people. Although don't ask him for anything. Cause he just re- recently wrote a song about that and he's going to slap. Yeah. You. Yeah. He's, he's going <laughs> to slap you if you do that. Yeah. That's so dope. <laughs> very, very red man. I would feel really honored if red man slapped me. I would too. I would take a slapping from him. He's, <laughs> I love him. He's so straight up. Like I guess Ja Rule was talking about how they, like how they had like a rap battle before or something like a freestyle war and uh he he mentioned it and then jaw rule um mentioned it to red man he's like no that never happened and he's like what he's like he's like no yeah we were in we were like new jersey or something and then after a show I was like yeah you were there but we never battled like that and he just had no problems like no like we didn't do that <laughs> and just shuts down jaw rule and it's one of my favorite things i've ever seen because I guess Ja Rule's been telling people for years. He's like, yeah, like I heard you say this like three years ago. Like we didn't do that. Like, that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I think that's what Ja Rule gets. Yeah, I think so too. Fucking Kmart version of DMX. Yeah. Yeah, man. We really went through it. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. That was fun. We're gonna. I'm probably gonna be doing another one, uh, more specifically on like the lyrical side of rap and hip hop. Because there's a friend of mine, Max Bank Jaffe. Uh, fellow comedian and huge fan of the genre and his favorite thing is just like the lyricists and like freestyles dope yeah so if you're if you're down if you'd like to sit in on that one too yeah i sure i'd love to I, I think i have some 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 stupid things to say about that yeah that'd be fun uh he's great too like he's a fun guy uh that one won't be for a while so that can definitely wait until you get back from your your trip to japan sick how long are you going for five weeks five weeks all right fucking island won't be the same well yeah but I'll, I'll be fucking up another island yeah okay yeah. sorry where is she? she's right over there she's just staring at a basket she's okay oh she wants her toys <laughs> little little brat do you want to bring her to japan with me yeah take <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> all right man well thanks for coming out thanks very
And that's our episode labeled Broken Glass Everywhere, a rap and hip-hop story. <clears throat> I hope you enjoyed. I had a fantastic time. I would love to actually have these guys back anytime, whenever they want to talk about anything, really. Fantastic guests. And yeah, quick shout out to Mr. Marlon Cannon for producing these beats. As always, I'll be leaving links in the description. So be sure to go check them out. And you know what? While you're at it, if you're looking around, go check out some Rode products because they are fantastic. And I'm going to keep plugging this shit until hopefully they start just giving me free stuff. Um, that's all we got for you today. Stay tuned. We're going to have more episodes uh, for the SMRT podcast because I am a moron and I am in desperate need of knowledge. So, all right. Hope you had a good time. <laughs>